Hello there and welcome to our latest edition of Live Music and Me, a music podcast where we get some of our um, friends and their favourite musicians to talk about their musical memories and some of the great gigs that they've been to. Um, today's guest is the singer, songwriter and musician from Bluebells, McCluskey Brothers et al, um, Ken McCluskey. Good afternoon, Ken. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Brian. How are we, sir? I'm all good, Jep. Good man. Oh, good. Just um, just uh, chilling out. This is the first day I've had off for a wee while, so it's it's good to relax. Sorry, sorry, crash your diary. So, uh, no, no, not at all. So, are you ready to do this then? Can we? we, we can... I am ready. Yes, ready and willing. Okay, we, right. So can, I just, can I just do one thing? I'm just sorry for a second. I've got this meeting has been recorded. Thing just stuck right over your face. I'm going to try and get rid of it. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> this all this all goes out on the video, you know. So. Oh, that's it. That's all right. <laughs> it's just a wee bit off. Right? No bother. Right. It's, probably, it's probably a good thing it's over my face, Ken. I know. Right. Okay. I've got it. Right. That's us. Do you want, will, will I count us in again? Is that easier? Yeah, that's easier. Okay, nice and easy. I'll just save me having to do an edit on it. So. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good afternoon and welcome to the latest edition of Live Music and Me, a music podcast where we talk to some of our friends and the musical contacts around their gig memories. Uh, today's guest is the singer, songwriter, musician from Bluebells, McCluskey um, Brothers and others, uh, Ken McCluskey. Good afternoon, Ken. Good afternoon, Brian. How are we doing, nice mate? All good, all good, yep. Good stuff. Thanks very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. No bother. So I've got a few questions for you, so I hope we can get the old grey matter going here. So we'll... Yep. Well, then we'll crack on. So, uh, first question I've got for you is the first gig that you went to. First kind of proper gig I went to was at the Apollo, Glasgow Apollo, and it was December 1977, and it was The Damned and The Dead Boys. Um, now, we got free tickets for that because we had tickets to see The Clash the next night at right. the Apollo. Wow. And we were we were going up to Buchanan Street bus station past the Apollo, and we'd been out buying records or whatever, um, and they were giving tickets away because there was two, there was kind of like too many punk gigs on one week. I think there was a few other other things happening, so nobody went to see the dam basically, and the uh, they were giving out free tickets, so we just went, oh, well, we'll go to this as well. So the clash was the next night. Went to see the dam that night. We just stayed in town actually uh, instead of going home. Uh, went to see the dam. Um, dam were not very good because I think they were pissed off that nobody bought any tickets for them. <laughs> but the Dead Boys were incredible. The Dead I Boys were amazing. I don't remember the Dead Boys. Dead Boys were brilliant. Stiff Baters, he went on to be a Lord of the New Church and all that. Right, okay. But he was a brilliant front man. He was inside the bass drum and all that. He, 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 they blew the damned off the stage. Yeah. Um, although I, I was a damn fan at the time, but the yeah. Dead Boys were just amazing. And I always loved support bands after that. I was like, wow, this is, you know, really amazing. Yeah. Um, so Dead Boys, superb. Years later, when we were in the Bluebells, the Bluebells supported Lords of the Union in Spain, and we did a, a tour of castles. Uh, it was quite an odd billing, Lords of the Union Church, sort of goth band in the Bluebells, but we got on really, really well. And uh, it was quite funny, because Robert, Bobby Bluebell, looks like stiff bears. So what they used to do was dress up as each other. Bobby would have all the crucifixes and the, the leather gear and all that, and the mad hair. Yeah. And, and he would dress up as Bobby Bluebell as we strapey. Wimp, you know, a twee, twee t-shirt on. and they'd do interviews in the Spanish radio he would do it as Bobby Bluebell and he would do it as <laughs> it's hilarious really hilarious yeah. Yeah. so anyway that was the start of a kind of relationship I got to know him really well 
but years later, you know, years later. Yeah, absolutely. And the Apollo is a big venue for, you know, if the dam said they were struggling to sell tickets, it's not the easiest venue to fill anyway. No, I, well, I think it was just, it was two, before, just before Christmas. I think it was the yeah. 10th and the 11th. Right. Uh, so the 11th was the class, the 10th was the, the damned and the dead boys. So probably have these, you know, saving up for Christmas. And there was an awful lot of gigs on that week. So and I think it was only so many punk rockers that were, yeah. there was anyone here or whatever that were going to, uh, going to turn up. So, yeah, it was amazing. So I went with, I was in a wee band at the time called Rodeo with my pals. Um, and uh, from Bothell, Dixie Deans and Donald Kerr, my brother David. So we all went together. So it was amazing. It was our first big gig. Brilliant. Fantastic. Okay. And uh, fast forward a bit. So the last gig that you went to? Last gig I go, recently I've just retired from being a, a lecturer at a college, at Glasgow Kelvin College, formerly Stoke College, where I run Electric Honey Records. Uh, or ran electric running records with the students. Um, so part of my job was to go and see a lot of bands. So I went to see the same night, the same night, uh, Glad Cafe, a girl called Alice Fay, who's absolutely brilliant. Right. Uh, Singer, songwriter. Um, really, really great. She's kind of like Patsy Klein or Connie Francis or one of these, but in a sort of modern setting. Yep. She's really great. Really songwriter. And Soapbox, who are a wee bad punk band from one of the guys in my class, a guy called Aidan Moskill. And that was at the Glad Cafe, so two gigs to one night. That was the last time I was out for a big gig night. Good stuff again. Good venue as well, Glad Cafe. Aye, aye. Both are good. I like the Hug and Pint as well. Hug and Pint's great. That's like, that's like our cavern, isn't it? It is. It's really good. I think it's a good sound in there as well. It has. Cool. Okay, and the gig that most surprised you, good or bad? Surprised me again. This was through college. It was maybe six or seven years ago. It was in... The Great Escape, which is a conference, music mm-hmm. conference thing in Brighton. And we used to take a few students down there and all that. And some of the students would get work there. It was a good experience. And they have to showcase all sorts of bands and different labels, labels of stalls and all that. And someone said to me, oh, there's this really good band from Edinburgh called The Young Fathers. Uh, and I went, oh, that sounds interesting. I had no idea where Broadway, two o'clock in the afternoon, first gig of the day, and it was just the rhythm and the, the sound was amazing. And there wasn't that many people there, it was a kind of big hole, but it was phenomenal. And I've, I've followed them since since then, so that was the most surprising guy. I love being surprised by things because I didn't know who the young fathers were, I had no oh. idea what music was oh. like, but um, they've since gone on to do really well. But yeah, yeah they, have. They, have. they they played um, not that long ago in Glasgow, and again the, the feedback was fantastic. I didn't manage to get to that. Which... And they're great live. They're great. They're really yeah. it's really visual. It's quite it's quite theatrical. Yeah, absolutely. actually the, the shapes they pull and all that, the dances and the, the movement. Yeah. Really cool. Give you some ideas. Absolutely. <laughs> pull a few shapes. I learned a few new shapes. They don't they don't put the tambourine on their head, do they? Or no, they don't. No, they've not learned that one yet. I need to pass that one. He passed that one. <laughs> okay. Um, the first gig you went to with a partner. First gig, oh the first girlfriend I had was at school. There was came to her school and she was from New Zealand. They were doing a sort of swap, swap sort of thing. Uh, family so I think they were doctors her dad was a doctor so they, they, she moved to Bothell and I went to school in Hamilton Holy Cross so she was in my class and I ended up going out with her a couple of times uh, quite a few times actually and she liked the police mm-hmm. now I thought the police were a wee bit I'm kind of punk rock man I'm like that police that's a brass neck man going to see the police but I went uh, hand in hand 
course. And it was excellent. The cramps with the sport band. Cramps with the sport band. And I think he oh, fell God. off the stage. I think or jumped off the stage, broke his ankle, or injured himself really badly because, you know, he's quite, again, theatrical and throwing himself about. But the, the Apollo stage is massive. It was really high. And you're like, no, <laughs> don't do it. Jump. I don't fall off that, you know. But um, I don't know, but it was good. They were really brilliant. I mean, I remember just watching the, the drummer, Copeland, amazing man. Oh, I did was just watch the drummer all night because he was so so brilliant to watch. Yeah. You know? um, but that was my first sensible girlfriend, I suppose, partner, partner uh, night out. You know, what it was very enjoyable. I enjoyed it. What kind of year would that be? You think, Ken? That would be seventy-eight. Okay, cool. seventy-eight. So I was still at school. I would be sixteen. Perfect. Okay, um, a gig that you had a ticket to but missed. A gig that I had a ticket to rest. Oh, this is again the Apollo. Sorry, a lot of these are the Apollo, but I'll move on from the Apollo. It's okay. Apollo's right? great. I know, but it just so happened it was next to the bus station that we, <laughs> or Kellerman Street, as it used Kellerman to be. Street, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, we were in, it was winter time, and it was again, it was been 1978, maybe early 79. And it was Elvis Costello was playing at Apollo. Mm-hmm. And we were in Mr. Chips, the chip shop next door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And it was mobbed. There was loads. Of, I think people were in for a heater. I don't know why there were so many people in the chip shop, but people were just hanging about the chip shop. And uh, something happened. Video happened. Up front, all I could hear was like swearing some bad language, right? And the chip shop guy, quite a big guy, he got the fryer, you know the thing you do with the, yeah. the big thing, and he hit a guy over the head with it, right? <laughs> Scalp, he scalped a guy, right? It was really, and the guy, guy he's a punk rocker guy that fell. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there was chaos, right? So people were trying over the, the <laughs> counter. We were like, we didn't know what happened. We were like, what? And we're just wee boys as well. So the cops closed the door of the, the chip shop and arrested every single person in the chip shop, wow. apart from me and a guy called Stephen Backus. Because they couldn't get us in the van, so they, we were all like this. You know, yeah, we hadn't done anything. You know what I mean? So there was a good cop there, right? And he was from Uddingston, which is a village kind of close to us. And he knew he knew this guy Stephen Marcus, who I was with from school. And he says, "Guys, I saw exactly what happened. Did I know that you didn't you didn't do anything?" So they just the cops just just went mental, we went tonto, and just grabbed everybody. Um, so my, our pals were all in the back of the van and they took them to Stuart Street Police Station so we followed them up and tried to get them out and then when we knew we couldn't get them out they were all in for the night basically we had to phone their parents you know so there was like four of our pals were yeah. in the night and yeah. we, had, we had it done in so we had to phone their parents and the parents came in they were all up to high door and we, we couldn't get them out but they got out the next day there was a court case and the good cop came to the court case and said these other cops the bad cops are talking about nonsense Right. So they, they, they just threw the court case out and everything got away. And went, and that was, that was, we were waiting to get to the gig and that's what happened. That's what, Mr. Chips. <laughs> so always saw, remember it. Never saw, even got a fish supper. <laughs> <laughs> so you had your ticket physically, you just didn't get in. I had a ticket, just or, never got in. Well, we couldn't because we had to try and get them out. So yeah. it would be a bit, a bit rotten of us to go to the gig then. When, <laughs> to go to the gig, your pals in the neck. I so we were, we're more I've worried got... about their mums and dads. You know, I, I've got a few friends who might have just left me again, to be honest, you know, and went to the gig. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, a bucket gig in the past that you wish you'd got to? A gig that I got, well, wish I'd gone to or got in, basically, was the Ramones at the QM. Mm-hmm. Um, I could hear it. We just couldn't get in. We were too young. We were with, I think I was about 16, and the other boys were about 15, 14. I 
I think one person and the rest of us could, because you need the student to sign you in to right. the QM at the time. And I think we were just too young or, you know, we weren't getting in basically. Yeah. And I think because we've been hanging about all afternoon, bouncers were like, they're not getting in. Yeah. So we tried loads of things, sneaking in and getting in through windows and all that kind of, but we never get in. So that was, I never saw the Ramones then after that. No, I've, I've always liked them, always liked the Ramones. And uh, I never saw them, but that's one that I wish I'd got in. And was that in their kind of pomp? Was that at the beginning of the first album in, in that time? Aye. Yeah. Aye, it would be probably the second album. Aye. But the, um, but the, 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 I mean, the, the universities and all that. Glasgow was brilliant for gigs. So Strathclyde, you would Strathclyde, you need have Blondie and all that Talking Heads, you know, television. You would have, you know, the QM. You'd have all sorts of bands. You know, like uh, Ramones, brilliant. I mean, uh, so unis and colleges were really amazing. Yeah. And it's a shame now that they don't really have that now. It's all sort of. Disco with 50, price, 50 pence vodka and all that shit. You know, yeah. like it's, it's expensive to put on bands. It's yeah. not expensive to put on a DJ and charge 50 pence for vodka. You know what I mean? It's no, no. They should bring that back because it's, 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 well, it'd be great if they could bring that culture back. Maybe that's something you could do with your spare time now. Well, that's it. Because a lot of people like Mark Mackey at regular music and all that, they all started off as being, of course, you know, like they all started off as being the promoters, the, 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 the college promoters, college reps or whatever. And loads of people went from uni or college, you know, the, the social sort of side into professional music. Yeah, absolutely. So it's no, a good stepping stone. It's a good alternative way of getting into music. You're right, mate. Fingers crossed that maybe some of that can come back again. Um, you mentioned support acts earlier. So the best support act you've ever seen? Best support act. It's just because this one really sticks out in my head. Um, myself. And Russell, Russell was in the Bluebell, so that there was a gig and it was nightclub in Edinburgh, which was a great venue. It's above the the the, the Palladium. Yeah. What is it called? Palladium. Yeah, so we were playing, and they played there quite a lot. And at that time, it was Oranges for the main band. Aztec Camera were in the middle. Then it was the Bluebells. So I can you Aztec Camera a wee bit. They had been in a band called Neutral Blue. Because where I'm from, like Bothwood, East Kilbride, as the crow flies are quite near each other. Yep. As the road goes, it's about seven miles or something. Yeah. But it's about a mile as the crow flies. So you get to know how it's the music and all that. <clears throat> and I had a demo of Neutral Blue. And they, they were kind of like Joy Division, something like that, like a Joy Division. Roddy was in it, Campbell was in it, Alan Welsh. I think Campbell would still to join, actually. So it was basically as the camera, Neutral Blue, they were called. So I was expecting a Joy Division sort of band. And then this, young guy, so he's the same age as my brother David, who was in the Blue Bells. They were about maybe 15, 15, yeah. so I would be 17. And he just got up this big jumbo guitar and he started playing and we were like, oh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Russell, my pal, who was from Johnson, he was in the Blue Bells, and he says, we might as well just go up the road. <laughs> <laughs> Because he, he was he was that good, he was a really proficient guitar player at that time. Yeah. And at that time we were still garage guys, you know, pinko punko, pinko, dinky, dinky, And we knew a few chords and all that we weren't very proficient. Um we were just like, wow, look at that guy. He's obviously he knew his jobs. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I must have been playing the guitar for quite a few years at that point. I think he was playing since he's a wee guy. And uh, obviously practicing a lot, which we probably did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he was excellent but and that kind of that sort of set a standard I think I mean I don't think we tried to copy them or do 
whatever. But it was just like, wow, man, that guy's really, really good. And then his band joined them, and they were all, they were all excellent. Yeah. Um, so they were the. That's probably the biggest, apart from the Dead Boys. That's the. Uh, Apart from Dead Boys, that's the the one. It was probably more influential, and in, in, in yeah. that it was yeah. like, well, that's a standard. That's that's shit hot, you know. Yeah, and they were local, so you you know you had that reference point. We were local as well. We knew yeah. them a bit, so it was like, wow, man, that's that's cool. And yeah. Orange Juice, thought they were pretty good Tesla's postcard guys because they we did quite a lot of gigs for them, yeah, yeah up there in London and all over the place. Okay, so we, we were never short of support. Okay, perfect. Um, a gig that made you miss the last bus or train home. Um, yes, I remember this one because it was freezing, man. It was uh, Generation X, and they just had a new album out, Valley of the Dolls, and it was the Air Pavilion. Right. Now, Air Pavilion was falling apart. It was really falling apart at that point, but it was great. I mean, it was, it was rough and ready, and <laughs> ah, there was bits falling off the walls and all that, and windows were all boarded up and all that, so it looked like a derelict sort of building. But... When the light, you know, when the lights go out, and then they were absolutely brilliant. Generation X were a great live band. Mm-hmm. Um, Valley of the Dolls was the album. I think King Rocker there was a, a track from that. It was all pink vinyl and all that. You know, it was all the everything kind of looked good. They were all very stylized. Generation X, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was still at school. We dog school, and we went to. We thought I don't know how we thought we were going to go home from here. How we thought we were going to go home from from air. You know, because yeah. you know, here Glasgow, Glasgow, but it's not really good at all. But anyway, we went and we gung with it. And I remember sleeping in a car park behind a Tesco or something like that, or an Asda or something, like absolutely freezing. And we we're all just huddled together like that, it was absolutely bolted. And uh, we got the first train, I think it was about six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But uh, and that was bolted. But it was worth it at the time. I think we all ended up with the flu, but. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, Billy Idol's still going now, isn't he? He's got. He's a... still going. I think he moved to LA quite uh, early yeah. on, isn't he? He's a big sort of celebrity over there. You know? Yeah, he's playing a bit of Paul, Paul Cook and stuff now, isn't he? They've got. A band I think so. I, and is the other one not live over, the other Sex Pistols? You know, over there as well. Yeah, uh, Steve Jones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's got a radio show and all that. That's right. Yeah. But it's yeah. all funny how they're all kind of the LA set now, isn't it? No, it's not quite air, is it? To be fair. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, a bucket gig that you're still waiting to go to. Right, this one happened recently and I was gutted because I've been waiting for ages to see them. And uh, I've ticked off loads. There's been loads that, you know, that I've always, oh, I've, I always wanted to go see Bob Dylan, for example. I saw Bob Dylan earlier in the year. Regular music put them on at the the, the uh, Armadillo. Yeah. It's excellent, excellent, really brilliant. Um, Devo. So I really want to go and see Devo. And of course, the poster I see is Farewell Tour. Yeah. And I was working, I was working on something else just before. Oh. Uh, and I was, it was only a few weeks ago. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to that. And then I saw the date and I'm like, mm, can I go? You know, it's the story of my life. You know, you're like, no. So I, I, I love Devo. I just love the, all the imagery and all that. And uh, I've read quite a bit about them. I think they're a really, really interesting group. <clears throat> and uh, They've been going for years. Surprisingly, they've been going like the early seventies, not right, even yeah. the early sixties when they were art school and all that. So quite an inch, a very interesting band. I like all the visuals, and I missed them again. And it's farewell. So I never saw Devo, and I never will probably. Indeed. But there is a band called We Are Not Devo. 
<laughs> right. well, apparently they're brilliant. <laughs> so I might go and, I might just go and see we are not Devo. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think is it Devo's farewell tour or do you think it's a farewell tour? Oh, you, you might get a Mark Horsburgh's Devo or something like that. I don't know, but they seem to be quite a, a good unit, don't they? They're probably but they'll be a good age band, they'll be in their seventies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They'll be in their seventies, so it probably will be their farewell tour. Yeah, they might do a wee Sinatra. Okay. Again, I'll right? just watch them on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so a gig that you travelled the furthest to get to? Travelled the furthest, yes. I've written down the year because I think that I write, I didn't write the year down, but it was probably about 1991. 90, okay. And that would be my brother and I, David, after the Bluebells, McCluskey Brothers, so we, we did four albums in McCluskey Brothers, and we did a lot of playing. It was more sort of acoustic, folky kind of stuff, I suppose. Yeah with a pop sensibility <laughs> and uh very good too we, we were we were uh kind of fed up looking at each other basically if you're living in each other's pockets all the time you're you know we were super glued since we were like two and four you know i mean my mom used to dress as the same and all that twin push chair and all that you're like <laughs> you know um so we'd been working all the way up always together and we were, made some money at one point and we thought oh, God, we need a break man i'm going to just go camping somewhere and David, the same idea. So we went to Ireland, but I went north. So we went to Larne and I went north and down the west coast. And Dave went east and right down the south, Cork and Kerry yeah. and all that. And then we met in a place called Dingo, which is our, well, not Dingo, what was it called? It was, it was in, in Clare, Liston Varna, Liston Varna. A place okay. called Doolin, which is a real big traditional music place. We'd been there with our parents before, so we kind of knew where it was. So we just hitched it. For two weeks, he went that way, I went that way. And then at the end of it, we crossed right across to Dublin. And this was the finale. It was a big gig. It was you 2 It was Simple Minds. It was the Eurythmics. Uh, reggae band. Um, Steel Pulse. Steel Pulse. Big country. So it was a good bill. And we were like, wow, well, let's make that the kind of end of our journey sort of thing. Yeah. It was at Phoenix Park, big race course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Park. I went there and it was great. And it was it was kind of like, you know how you two and Simple Minds were always sort of, mm. oh, and here come the Simple Minds and oh, you two are catching up and oh, you two have caught up a wee bit and we're killing some guys. It was the kind of, you know, the, they were kind of competing. I mean, I think they were kind of friendly competition. Yeah. <laughs> but you two just won it. Yeah. And then they went on to be completely massive and surprise great band but you know they, they, they kind of stayed the same I suppose or whatever but you two kind of it was just when you two just took over because Simple Minds were always in front of you know Simple Minds were always more inventive or whatever and a wee bit older than you two so they, they were always the top dogs but then I, just at that gig it was just like yeah Bono blew the, blew the I mean I'm not a huge U2 fan or anything like that but no. they were excellent they were absolutely excellent yeah. and uh, it was a great festival so that was the end of that we that we tour, so that's the furthest. So all all the way around Ireland, and then went to that gig. So that's the furthest I've travelled for a gig. Did you just come back together? We came back together, yeah. Oh no, we, we were. It's not that we <laughs> fell out. We just fell out looking at each other. You know what I mean? Imagine work with your brother all your life. Like, <laughs> you know. Um. Yeah. So, I so so no, it was a good break, and we had great stories. I mean, he's yeah, but... a cow at his tent and all that. It was magic. You know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's your dad? I can't wait to. Oh, what? So, so we had a good, a good adventure. Uh, you know? 
Brilliant. Uh, okay, uh, that's probably another podcast than that one, Ken. Um, <laughs> so, a, a band or artist that you've saw the most? Probably, I was thinking about this, and it's probably Edward Collins' Orange Juice, just because I've always been kind of interested in their music. As we said, we started off kind of supporting them. Um, I, love, I actually live in the street where Postcard Records used to be. We used to hang about there, 185 West Princess Street. Princess Street yeah. was there, was there. So I just live around the corner from. Okay. Um, so that was a good place, but as a wee kid, because they were all quite inventive and quite, you know, creative. And uh, we had a tour with Orange Juice, did a couple of gigs, did London, did Edinburgh, Glasgow. And then after that, I saw Orange Juice a few good few times, and then a lot of Edwin solo stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the most the band that I've seen the, the most the most in different different stages. Yeah. You know, in, in different places as well. It's yeah. quite an interesting, interesting journey how they go from major record label to independent record label to having their own record label and you know. So very interesting. I, I think he's a great songwriter as well, Edwin. Yeah. And as as where the you know, as was James Kirk and, and the other yeah, yeah. And then Edwin obviously had his health challenges and um yeah and he's done remarkable to to, to come back from that and just seeing him perform he's a great singer his voice is his voice has dropped an octave or whatever yeah. and whatever it is he's, he's singing is great it's really clear and he's really i think he's had to grace has helped him his wife has helped him a hell of a lot um yeah. getting back and his diction and all that's really good when he's singing. singing. You know, it's really disciplined. You can see he's, he's working hard on it, but his yeah. voice sounds great. And he's not lost his sense of humour either, has he? No, no, he's funny. Yeah. He's, he always yeah. was funny. Yeah. He's very funny. Um, okay, so the best gig that you've done as a performer and why? Okay, this gig, there's a festival every year in Barcelona. For some reason, in Spain, like, so bands are, bands get sort of, famous in different territories or you get, you know, you got a fan base or a following in different territories. For some reason, Spain was a brilliant territory for us. And I've thought about it and it's, be- I think it's because we were around the early 80s. Pop music was banned in Spain under Franco. Okay. Right, so there's no Beatles, no Rolling Stones. They missed the 60s, they missed the early 70s, didn't they have any? So by the time the late 70s, early 80s came along, all these kids were sort of deprived of music. So they'd go mental. We were like, what? Why are these old guys all going mental? And we have a great following there. And then a, a great promoter. And the promoter would play quite a lot in Barcelona and Madrid and all over the country. In the Basque country, San Sebastian and all that. And then there's a big festival there in Mount Monyui. I think it's Monyui, but it's, it's yeah. a mountain that looks over Barcelona. It's probably Monyui or whatever, but it's, it looks like Mont, Montjuic, right? We are excellent. So the so the Olympic Stadium is now. Yeah. But just before that, it's flat at the top. And we played a festival, which is the big sort of local uh, uh, government festival. Uh, and 300,000 people on this big flat bit. And it was the first time I'd seen a PA with a delay. So it's just like a big, just imagine a big avenue like this. Yeah. So there's a PA and then the guy was explaining, well, that this is a second behind that one because people right. were down here and this is a second and a half behind this one. And it was just like a PA right along this big, it's almost like a boulevard on top of a mountain. And there was 300,000 people there. Uh, free, free festival, but that just felt like amazing. Yeah. There's another band on who were basically Roxy Music without Brian Ferry and they were called The Explorers or The... Yeah. They did a few gigs with Brian Ferry, but it was all uh, 
Nomads and Error and all that. It was basically Roxy Music without Brian Ferry singing. The, the guy from Can singing. Right. The band Can. Not very familiar with it. It was called Robin Sunday. Right. Anyway, it was all right. It was a wee bit, bit dull. Yeah. But we loved it. And we had, we by this point, we had become a really good live band because yeah. we did loads and loads of gigs. But it's funny that in certain territories, like we were, we'd go to France, you couldn't get arrested. You know what I mean? Really couldn't get arrested. Other bands like the Silences were would do great in, in, in France. Yeah. Went to Germany, fantastic. I think it depends on your record label and the way you're marketed and blah, blah, all that. Well, that's got a lot to do with it. Yeah. And maybe sometimes the music. Scandinavia was really good for us. Um, Germany was brilliant. Germany's a great place. Spain was brilliant. France, man. Italy, yeah. man. Yeah, but that's, that's the French for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why. That's why. <laughs> um, I, I had a friend who was the manager of a band called Whiteout. They were fairly big. Yes, I out with a brilliant man. Yeah, McD, um, um, Andrew, and and they um, they were Andrew McDermott. Yeah, so yes, Andrew, I know McDermott. Of course you do, right? Good, good. Yeah. Um, so he was a manager, fairly popular here, but they managed to get to um, Japan. Yeah, job tour, and the same thing. He rocked up there, and they thought they were the Beatles. That's it. And it was like, like chaos everywhere, you know, they, they mm. couldn't believe it. And then they had to come back here and play in a local pub upstairs. And that's stuff. it. Well, that's it. Yeah. And people don't believe it. People don't believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah. just Not as if you're going to come back and say, hey, man, I just paid to 300,000 people. Man. <laughs> you're not going to do that. But you so. there's no point. To, people lie, right? <laughs> yeah, Spain was fantastic. And what a great place to... What a great place to be, you know, have a following in because it's just where you're hot asleep, being on a holiday, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And what about the best music festival you went to as a as a punter? What would that be? Oh, as a punter, I thought we were maybe going to go as a music. Well, okay, I was well, a punter. I, as, a, as a performer's fine. Uh, okay, okay, right. So, one, we went to uh, Glastonbury 93. Velvet Underground had just uh, got back together. Okay. Right. So we were playing and we were playing the, it was 1993, it was McCluskey Brothers. And we're playing the acoustic stage, but the acoustic stage is big. It's like a big tent, but it's maybe about 2000 or something like that. <clears throat> so I'd be keeping a wee nosy and seeing what's happening. It was really jumping. The tent was absolutely jumping. It was fantastic. And about 10 minutes or 20 minutes before we went on, you don't get a sound check, you just do a wee line check. Yeah. So about 20 minutes before we went on, I said, right, guys, just meet beside the stage. Place was empty, man. Like, it's nobody there, right? Nobody. There was a drunk guy lying, like, <laughs> you know, like that, conked out. Oh, that's a nightmare because we'd spent ages getting there because there's big queues and yeah. traffic. No, and I was like, this is a nightmare. You know, your Glastonbury debut, and there's nobody there, but it's pointless. So I found out the Velvet Underground weren't at the same time as us. So every day, going to see the Velvet Underground, right? Everybody, right? So that's why there was nobody in the tent, right? So I said to the sound man, look, is there anything we could do about this man? We've come all this way. There's nobody here. He says, look, I want to go and see the Velvet Underground. Do you? I went, aye. He says, I'll just blank it, man. Just, we'll all go to see the Velvet Underground at the end of the time. It'll be mobbed again. Yeah. So we did. We just went to see the Velvet. And then there were so many people wanting to see the Velvet Underground. You couldn't actually see them. You're miles away. Yeah. So we just thought, oh, bugger it. And then loads of other people had the same idea. So all of a sudden you can see this sort of mass of people go towards the, because the tent's in a wee hill. And we were like, yeah. So <laughs> delayed it by about 25 minutes, made a full full tent. Oh, very good. That was a good experience. That was a good, a good experience. But um, I've, festivals, 
I tell you what was really good that that festival uh, last year down the rabbit hole. Now all sorts of things have happened about that. You know, like you know, there's been all sorts of different yeah. theories and blah blah blah. But last year it was brilliant. I was never at it when it was a wee tiny festival, and I heard it was really cool and family friendly and all that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the bit off more than they could chew, but it was beautiful, beautiful sort of countryside and all that, and it was well organised. And I think they just ran out of money. Yeah, probably. And maybe try too many stages or something. I don't know. But I won't go into that. But that was that was a good festival. Okay. Um, I look. There's also another one we played every year, McCluskey Brothers, the Erigal Festival. And it's about Erigal in the middle of Donegal. You just play all the towns round yeah. about. That was great. So you just go from town to town and somebody gives you a lift. You just okay. play pops and all that. It's brilliant. That's a bit, it's becoming a bit of a habit, that touring Ireland thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good fun. Good stuff. Um, your favourite live music venue? Favourite live music venue? I've been talking a lot about the Apollo, but my favourite live music venue, and probably have to say this if they're from Glasgow, the Barlands. Okay. I just love the atmosphere, I love the way it looks, I like the vibe, I like the sprung floor, I like the sound. I've played it a couple of times, never headlined it, but I've done it as support band and I've done it as uh, award series, like, you know, Nordoff Robbins and all that. I've done a few. I remember that, that's right, I remember that. <laughs> I've done that a couple of times. Um, but it's just a great venue, I like the people there. It's magic, it's just got a great feeling of you know history and social history as well um so although the polo was great for a kid the barlands gets it for me every time i love it i just love the i love the vibe and i love i love that area as well yeah absolutely let's go yeah and it's, it's it's came back again although it was always quite iconic it was quite undone. yeah it and then we were down we were down there they playing st luke's a couple months ago and that was great yeah. it looks like a cracking gig as yeah, well yeah. it's just i mean it's i think it's about 600 it's it looks a big gig it was. It's, again, well run, well organised, good food. All that. Yeah, I, I know Michael that uh, owns that Michael Woods, and um, it's a good guy. Mm. So, um, cool. And the possible bluebells headlining at Barrowlands now in your, your oh, maybe uh, you never know. I mean, you never need a brief motor, I think, for that. But we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. Okay, yeah. a couple of toughies to finish, Ken. So, your favourite ever gig? Wow. Favourite ever gig. Um, Part of me is saying the a conflict here, right? So recently, I went to see Leonard Cohen. Not recently, the regular put them on at, at, at um, Edinburgh Castle. It was brilliant. I loved it so much. Yeah. But probably my favourite gig ever was 1980, and it was the cramps in the fall at Glasgow Tech. Okay. Glasgow Tech. We've seen there. And a great Ents guy, a guy called Paddy, uh, who's a bit sort of happy guy, but he booked loads of cracking bands. So the fall and the cramps on the same night, the stage was about a foot high. Yeah. So there's more people on the stage than there was in the audience. You know what I mean? It was uh, FD ended up on the stage and all that. But that was just brilliant. That was like uh, liberating the stage. Yeah. And the, the bands didn't bother. They were just, definitely should jumping about on yeah, the stage. Totally. It was great. Uh, you wouldn't get away with that now. But um, that, that was superb, both the cramps and the fall in very good form and there was a big change I think that was the change away from me being a I wasn't really a punk rocker as such then I don't suppose but you know I'd kind of grown up and I kind of uh, my music um, window of listening yeah. to things was opened up quite a bit but but that was quite eye-opening and it was great, great. Okay. 
Perfect. So we'll give you that. That's kind of one big gig and one small gig, really, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll oh, a big, big gig. Leonard Cohen. I really. I mean, I could go and I could do the classic. The bond, but really, yeah. Leonard Cohen was brilliant. And, I think David Ross gave us about ten when I asked him. So uh, I know uh, there's just, there's loads of cracking gigs. You were at, you know, there's loads of cracking. Gigs, but, uh, okay, and to finish, uh, one one live album that everyone should own a copy of. It's alive by the Ramones. Okay. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's good to put on a, a Sunday morning. Wake up the kids, get it on. Um, get the head. One, two, three, four. There's about I don't know many fifty tracks on it. So it's a double double album. Right. So, but it only lasts about an hour, an hour or something. Like that. But there's loads of tracks. Each track's like two minutes. One, two, three, four. <laughs> it's really good. I love it. Um, so that maybe helps me not seeing the Ramones thing. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that one. But there's one that comes up recently. There's a, do you know Nick Peacock, DJ? No. No, no, no. Um, he's, got, he's got this thing, like he collects records, right? He's, he's more into kind of like soul funk, Latino music and all that. But he's got this thing, because he's always searching for records and second-hand shops, and he, it's the same if, if anybody's looking through. He's, you always see this live album, Glenn Daly, live at the Ashfield. <laughs> Everybody in, everybody in Scotland must have that, man. Everybody's at one point have had it in their house. I remember everybody's house in Glendale Live in the Ashfield. So yeah. he always, everywhere he goes, he, he shows it. So you should just have that. You know, it's, it's, it's a sort of rite of passage. I think. Yeah, I probably, probably alien half the audience, Ken. <laughs> Brilliant. I'll, I'll need to search it out then. I do know the album, but I yeah. don't think I've ever heard it. I've, I've heard it. No, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I think the cover's more famous than the, the rest. It is. Uh, uh, Brilliant. Fantastic. That was great, Ken. Um, Ken McCluskey, thank you very much for your time, mate. Much appreciated. Okay, thanks, Brian. Thanks very much. Well done, mate.